Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to See Also. I'm Brodie Lancaster. I'm Kate Jenks. I hope that you already follow us on Instagram, but if you don't, we're at See Also Podcast. It's where you'll find us. It's where you'll find us. Where you find all the little bits and pieces, um, including photos, behind the scenes content of the film we're covering today. In today's Poodle episode, we're going back to 1999. To see the picture of teenage perfection obliterated by perversion, <laughs> Darren Stein's directorial debut, Jawbreaker. Courtney was the leader. All right, girls, out. She was like Satan in heels, and Marcy was her henchman. I don't think we've met what with the cruel politics of high school and all. At a school like Reagan High, being the teen dream can be a little hard to swallow. It is with deep dismay that I inform you that Elizabeth Purr... I heard she choked on a jawbreaker. <laughs> that is so cool. Learn it. Live it. Love it. BL, it's one of your faves. It's one of my, like, formative movies. I spent a lot of time watching this on repeat, on VHS from the Blockbuster in Bundaberg when I was growing up. Valet. Um, Maybe. Probably. Truly, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, sad I wasn't there when it closed down to buy all the old DVDs. Oh, mm. um, all-star cast, truly. It is an all-star cast. I have such a close affinity to this film and we <laughs> chose it as a poodle. It's been on the list for ages, but Jinxie, when you watched it to prep for this, you made a discovery. 
Yeah, I was like, yeah, of course, Jawbreaker. Yeah, what an obvious choice for us. Yeah, of course, absolutely. And then, like, I cleared a night and I started watching it and I got, like, two minutes in and then texted UBL just going, like, I haven't actually seen this. (laughs) It's just one of those films that I think I thought I'd seen just, like, purely because of osmosis because it was, like, everywhere at the time and it's so it's like similar to other films I have seen and loved yeah so I was just like yeah but when it opens and they killed the friend I was like sorry what I haven't seen it no spoilers for Jinxie you've seen it now um if you're listening to a poodle episode about a film there will be spoilers absolutely saying um so yeah Jawbreaker as you'll remember from 1999 opens with a little girl gang played by Rose McGowan, Rebecca Gayhart, and Julie Benz uh, playing their annual prank on their best friend, Liz Purr, uh, where they were going to make her think that she's been kidnapped and stripped and tossed in a trunk. You know, just girl stuff. <laughs> um, but little Courtney Shave, played by Rose McGowan, has a little trick up her sleeve in the form of a jawbreaker, gobstopper, candy that she shoves in Liz's mouth, killing her. And then it is a, uh, a story about covering up their crimes, being investigated for those crimes and creating a beautiful diversion in the form of Fern Mayo, AKA Violet played by Judy Greer in like her second or third movie role ever. Yes. It's incredible. I mean, you, you have like a, a raw reaction to this. What did you think of Jawbreaker having watched it only recently? Mm, okay, here we go. I get why it's a cult classic. I think it has all the ingredients there, but I I didn't like it very much. Really? No, I just thought. Do you think if you'd seen it in '99, yeah, would I have think I would have really loved it. Okay, um, but for me, I was like, mm, there's no there there with mm. this. Like, I thought it felt very laboured. The script felt very laboured to me, like a bit too sassy for its own good. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was reaching. Yeah, it's so interesting to watch this kind of a film. And I'm sure that we have listeners going like, fuck you, bitch. This is like the most important teen movie of all time. And I, But I kind of love that we're covering it because we have different angles on it. But also, I really want to hear about what it was like for you when you first watched it. Oh, yeah. Well, it came out 99. I was nine. So I probably saw it in like a year or two after that. Um, And I feel like it was on constant rotation. Like we either owned a copy, taped it off TV, maybe, um, or just hired it on repeat from Blockbuster Video. Um, But I also we've discussed in the past that we both grew up in families where we didn't have a lot of rules around what we could watch. Yeah, none at all. So this is clearly not an appropriate movie for like a nine or ten year old. I'd be shocked if I thought of like my niece watching it (laughs) in six or seven years. Um, Oh, my God. A shiver just ran (laughs) in my spine thinking about it. But I loved it so much. I thought that kind of like dark sweetness of like teenage hood that campiness which I didn't have a word for then I was just so tickled by um but you know I'd have friends come over and I would play the movies that I liked for them and I really vividly remember feeling a distinction between like me and my siblings and the families of people whose parents maybe shielded them from like more dark content Mm -hmm. and they kind of didn't know what to do with this movie 
but yeah, I didn't have the words to describe it then, but I think that there was something twisted about it, especially in its sexuality. You know, there's a scene that I think of all the time when I think of this film, which is when Rose McGowan kind of makes her like jock boyfriend do like fellatio on like an ice yeah, popsicle. Pop, popsicle. Um, and apparently in test screenings, like girls would cheer at that and <laughs> boys would be like, no, don't do it. Um, and so I think there was something about that that I also like. It was very formative for me that I was like, that's sexy. <laughs> but I don't really know what I was, what I, where my head was. Yeah, sure. To- I can, I can totally see like a young girl watching this and being like, oh, this is kind of twisted. It's different from those other teen movies. It's like not saccharine. The colors are, and the titular jawbreaker is obviously, but like, you know, it's doing this kind of caustic thing throughout it. Mm. Um, I was 19 when it came out. So it's funny that I just thought I'd seen it, but yeah. I was like, I was so familiar with all the imagery of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, was, that was the year of like Cruel Intentions and Election. Which I only saw two, three years ago. Yeah. But these kind of like dark, very adult election. teen movies, you know, American Beauty, that was all the same year. Yeah. I feel like I was in, like, when did Happiness come out? Maybe that was like I think around the same time. Yeah. I feel like I was like on a different movie trip at the time. Like right. I'd sort of wasn't watching. I was like, I think I just was like, I'm not watching any more teen stuff. Yeah. I guess that's how I felt Fair. at the time. Yeah. 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 So I was 19 when it came out. I was watching a lot of other things, but I think I, I think that I had probably seen it because I was so familiar with Rose McGowan because I really loved Greg Araki's movie from 1995, The Doom Generation, mm-hmm. which is my first seat also for Jawbreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, love that movie. Oh my God. So good. Uh, and Rose McGowan was super young. It was like where she had that amazing bob with like the cat's eye sunglasses. Iconic. Mm. So good. And that's where Darren Stein saw her and, and wanted her to cast in this. So I just kind of, I think I rolled it into that. Yeah. But also while watching it, I was like, there must be other films that I haven't seen from that time period because I was being like a snotty, like cinephile or whatever. Yeah. Um, you were my, being art house as my sister uh, used yeah. to call me in blockbuster video. <laughs> exactly. I was being art house, uh, and now I'm making up for lost time, but <laughs> I didn't ever see drop dead gorgeous either, mm, which I, I think of in the same breath. Yes. That is another formative one for me. Mm. Yeah. So and I think maybe we should watch that one. Oh, that's on the poodle list. Yeah. Good. I think I put drop dead gorgeous slash jawbreaker. I think you did too. I think of them, yeah, in the same breath. I mean, Real Housewife Denise Richards, mm-hmm. iconic. I was interested to read because I wasn't that familiar with this, so I read up quite a bit on like how it got made. And um, so Darren Stein has done like not much else. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to do the musical and a TV series of Jawbreaker, and neither of them made it we don't need them no um but i was really interested that the so columbia tristar made it and they would only agree to finance it if he could either uh cast natalie portman kate winslet or rose mcgowan whoa what a weird trio what a list of people what like scream came out a year or two earlier maybe yeah like kate i guess titanic kate winslet Wow. Well, he tried to get Parker Posey. 
Yeah. Yeah. But she was, was, she didn't want to do high school movies. She had no high school left in her. (laughs) She told him. Oh, I love her. He was 24 when he wrote this film and 27 when it was made, um, which looking back now, I'm like, that's shockingly young. Um, all the photos of him behind the scenes, he's dressed like a little nineties raver, which I really love. Yep. Yeah. I liked that. It's so good. He also, I have to say Darren Stein, if you tweet about jawbreaker, he will find and like that tweet. Oh, he's one of those. He has active search on and is interacting constantly. Um, to the point where like he once saw, um, Francis Bean Cobain, just tweet the words Veruca Salt, which I think of the band. Um, but he responded to her and was like, you know, your mom is one of the inspirations for naming the Rose McGowan character Courtney in the film. Wow. He's just always there hovering. He's waiting. He's it's, waiting for his moment. Sorry to sidetrack for a sec. That's what we do. It's fine. Um <laughs> But the director of the film The Dark Backwards is the exact same. It's a film that we'll never do a poodle on. I've never heard of it. It stars Judd Nelson as a kind of uh, proto-Neil Hamburger comedian. And Bill Paxton's in it. Okay. Look, it's it's like a if you're really interested in films about comedians, then this should be on the list. But if that, you know, but this is like niche, niche, niche. But if you mention that film on Twitter, he does get back to you instantly. And you're like, this came out in like, I don't know, 1990 or something. <laughs> like, just glad for the recognition. Mm. Just wants to mention. Good for him. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. So when I, I know this film so deeply in my bones, like the script for it, literally this morning I was FaceTiming my sister and she was making banana bread with her two-year-old daughter, my niece, and she cracked an egg into the bowl and I said, ooh, you got a stillborn. (laughs) 
and she laughed because it's a, you know, it's a vernacular we share thanks to Jawbreaker. So on my recent watch of my DVD that I've owned for many, many years, I watched it with the director's commentary from Darren Stein. Mm. And so because I kind of I didn't need the dialogue anymore, um, but he he talked so much about like the design of the film and the look of the film um he like created that jawbreaker factory at the start he was like that thing didn't exist but we wanted to show like the the balls being painted and sprayed and how they got that look yeah it has a real sesame street vibe when they go to the crayon factory (laughs) which was always one of my favorite yeah love that um and i'd kind of forgotten that there's like a montage of the the girls this foursome as if they were cutouts in a teen magazine. It's like they're the hottest, scariest, coolest girls in school. So they're kind of celebrities and they're being cut out and, and obsessed over as Fern Mayo does. Um, Can I say Fern Mayo is a dope name. Incredible. I wish that she didn't become Violette because I love Fern Mayo. Well, she goes back to Fern by the end, Thank you God. know, by force, but still. Mayo is a surname. Mayo. Love it. Was the TV show Doug had a Patty Mayo. Oh, my sister's best friend in primary school's surname was Mayo, now that I think about it. There you go. Love that. Shout out. He wanted the the sets and the costumes to feel like they were in any town, any time USA. And I think that's something that is kind of testament to like the making of a cult classic or like a timeless teen film is that these days films are so filled with like needing to be current and like the technology and the style and the language needs Mm. to be current. Whereas making a film that could be taking place in like a retro past or a retro futurist future or whatever. Um, it adds an air of like timelessness to it. Um, and also like, you know, Julie's bedroom, the Rebecca Gayhart character is like, it looks like it's from the fucking Brady Bunch movie or something. It's like mm. all retro, which is something, you know, teen girls in the nineties all go through their retro phase, but they're all wearing like wiggle skirts to school and yeah. Eighties does fifties. Yeah. Um, he said that he wanted to transport teenagers through these sets the way that adults are transported by Blade Runner. Oh, wow. What? Lol. Oh my God. Wow. All right. <laughs> and like famously the costume designer, Vicky Barrett worked on Clueless and Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion with yes. Mona May. Yes. She was the like assisted Mona May on Clueless, but she, I think she did the costumes for the Clueless TV show. Oh, sorry to Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I found this quote saying like that uh, she brought like eye popping color, but a bit more punk rock. And that's what they wanted to kind of go for with mm. this one that they wanted to pull from all time periods. Everyone's like, it's so nineties, but it's not quote. If it were, the fashion wouldn't be iconic. Well, yeah. As Darren Stein describes it as punk rock, dark and did not pull punches. It was really for lack of a better word, cunty. Yeah. And it is, it is. It, it absolutely is. is. And like, after seeing this now I'm like, uh, what was that film that I liked? Do Revenge. Do Revenge. Obviously, I did not realize that Do Revenge was had just totally grifted from this film. There's just so much that they just took from it. Yeah. But I did enjoy Do Revenge. Well, I watched Do Revenge after you recommended it, and I enjoyed it too. But I had a similar re- – like, it wasn't just that you didn't notice. Every BuzzFeed writer, every whoever writing a list of, like, all the teen films mentioned in Do Revenge – 
I don't think any of them have seen Jawbreaker. Yeah, it was more Clueless based. Yeah, they mentioned Clueless and they all mention, you know, the end of Do Revenge is kind of taking someone down with like video or like a recording of him saying something fucked up, which Mm. is obviously what happens Mm -hmm. to Courtney at the end of this film, um, which I saw in Do Revenge as like a direct rip, but everyone else was mentioning like cruel intentions, you know? Um, yeah, oh. it was eye-opening to me. Eye-opening. We're mm. going to get to the prom scene. I've got notes. Oh, my God. We will. We will. <laughs> we will get to that. Um, can we talk a little bit more about the cast, though? Absolutely. Um, let's leave Rose McGowan out of it just for a second because mm-hmm. uh, that's a meaty subject there. Uh-huh. But I really was excited to see Julie Benz in this because I love her as Dala in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, my God. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading up on her and about, like, how she came to be in the film. And um, apparently she was, like, quite obsessed with um, winning the senior superlative, which is, like, a thing we don't have. But uh, Most she, likely to. Yeah. Um, I got a comedy one in year 12. Very rude for my classmates. Anyway, um, I'm over it. It's fine. But um, <laughs> she wanted to be best dressed. And she said, I had it in my head since I was a freshman that that was the senior superlative to win because that meant that you had fashion and style. I never wore the same outfit twice in all of high school. I kept a clothes journal and I wore a new outfit every single day. Oh my god, I'm obsessed. Isn't that wild? I love that. Julie. Julie Benz. <laughs> love that. So her character Foxy, Foxy Fox, she described her character as like Courtney's henchman, like her heavy kind of thing, and which fits with Darren Stein's kind of interpretation of these girls as like mafia mafiosos. Like Courtney's the the Don and she's got her henchmen, but instead of being in a casino, they're in the bathroom of the high school, which is like her office. It's where she does all her business. It's where she intimidates, you know, um, do revenge. Yeah. And she describes <laughs> Julie Benz describes, uh, Foxy as a coward at heart, which reminds me of that great scene with her dad who played Kaniki oh, in Greece yes. and basically said, you're a follower. Like, I want you to be a leader. And she was like, Fuck off, Dad. You don't know anything. I think that's one of the best scenes in the film. It's incredible. It was her, really... I, was, I felt a lot of empathy there. Her amazing gay dad, played by Kaniki. Kaniki. Which, I mean, I'm getting ahead in my notes, but he is one of many, many legacy high school movie actors mm, who mm-hmm. they brought back in this film. Oh, the cast is incredible. Incredible. So Liz Purr, who, you know, is killed in the first act of the film, her parents are played by PJ Souls, a.k.a. Riff from Rock and Roll fucking high school, mm-hmm. who also had a small part in Carrie. And Liz's dad is played by William Cat, who was Carrie's prom date in Carrie. Oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up. Oh my god, I was like, who is that guy? Yeah. Oh wow. I would not look, I would not have recognized him if it weren't for like trivia online. Oh wow. About it. Um, but the film also it was shot at University High in LA, which is a famous real high school, but also a, a set of so many f- movies and TV shows, including Rock and Roll High School Forever, a 1991 sequel I had never heard of before. It's, you don't need to see it. Okay, great. Good to know. Um, many episodes of my so-called life were filmed at University High. Oh, scenes from the school in Arrested Development. 
Jojo's music video for Leave Brackets Get Out was filmed there. And the Charmed episode, A Page from the Past, Paige, you might remember, played by Rose McGowan. So she goes back in time to high school in that episode three years after filming Jawbreaker. Wow. Isn't that wild? I didn't know it was the high school from my so-called life. That's cool. Yeah. Maybe just exteriors. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Also in it is Carol Kane. She's so good. She's just amazing in everything. God, God, she's so fucking good. It's like Alice and Jenny in 10 Things I Hate About You taken down. With all her assertiveness taken out. (laughs) You're totally right. And also, of course, Pam Greer. Judy yeah. Greer's sister. <laughs> Sister's pet, Judy Greer. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, who, yeah, uh, obviously an, an icon, but because I need to do it where I can. Bring it back. Played Kit Porter in uh, The L Word. Sure did. The, the original series. She did not come back for season two because they killed her off rude valet valet kit porter her like detective or investigator role in this movie her name is just Cruz. has a real like lezzy energy oh she does yeah at one point when she like bangs a jawbreaker on the table and then throws it over at one of the girls love love she kind of shows up starts investigating liz's murder starts circling and um julie rebecca gayhart's character i have no notes on rebecca gayhart also this is so good because i was my note for rebecca gayhart is i don't get rebecca gayhart no but back to uh judy greer for a second uh sister of pam uh their mother no judy's mother was a nun who had oh. left the convent after eight years because she was kicked out for wild behavior, oh. including things like owning a red bathing suit. Stop. Yeah. That's so Fern Mayo. It's so Fern Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, we have nothing to say about Rebecca Gayhart, but her character is like the hero of the movie. Yeah, but the we mov- spend too much time with Rebecca Gayhart in this film. The movie doesn't seem to care about her that much. No, and I think if it was cast differently, I really would... I would have had it. I think part of it is you're just rooting for the bad guys here every yeah. step of the way. Yeah. They're and so like, fun. And every time like Goody Two-Shoes Gayheart comes in, you're like, I don't care. Just no. like, seriously, just let Courtney get away with it all. With her like flippy haired drama club boyfriend. But maybe if there was a different reading with a different actor, I would be more invested in that part of the film she's so earnest so boring so boring i feel like when i picture julie from jawbreaker my mind just goes to like double denim i don't think she ever wore double denim in the movie but spiritually Mm. yeah which in jawbreaker world is an insult um she so fern i guess is like the most fascinating figure in this movie fern is tasked by carol kane to take Liz's homework to her house. No one knows that she's dead yet. And it's only when Fern appears and sees her, sees Liz's friends manipulating her body and kind of talking about the fact that they've killed her, that they realize that to cover their own tracks, they need to make Fern popular, give her what she's always wanted, which is like a kind of reputation and an image at school instead of this like dowdy girl who like, 
I don't know, the, one of the first things we see about her is that she sniffs a flower and like a bug crawls out to like <laughs> crawl on her face or something. Like Fern has bad luck. Um, but then she becomes Violet. Learn it. Live it. Love it. <laughs> it was the live, laugh, love of the late 90s. Um, and they wanted to kind of evoke Angeline um, in the image of Violet, which I love. She's and they like, even do an Angeline shout out in the film. Do they? Yeah. Uh, when she, Judy Greer's character is, is Violet, is uh, like lounging on top of like the like Mustang or convertible or whatever car it is, like the sexy car, sports car. They're like, who do you think you are, Angeline? Do they say that? Yeah, because she's like in all pink on the all pink car. Yeah. Mm. Well, I watched it with the director's commentary. I just heard him talking about Angeline. (laughs) Um, And he described her in that scene as having become a grotesque Liberace, a showgirl. Um, he also said that people uh, get obsessed like Fern does with these girls and aren't sure if they're gay or just obsessed. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of teen girl films. Oh, yeah. Like Fern would have like pashed Liz Per. She would have murdered her herself oh, yeah. <laughs> if she needed to. Um, it's one of the beautiful things about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking me around. You're talking me around, BL. It's a great movie. Just, like, pretend that Y2K hasn't happened. Like, I know I sounded like a cunt at the top of the episode. No, you didn't. But I just, like, I didn't really love it. But it's a really fun film to talk about. It's a really fun film. Full stop, if you ask me. (laughs) All right. Do we want to get into Rose McGowan? I think we need to, because there are other things we need to get to as well. You simply gotta. So McGowan. McGowan. Courtney Shea, a, quote, young burgeoning sociopath, as she described Mm -hmm. the character. Um, She's like, I think as a child, I was so deeply terrified by Rose McGowan. She's scary. She's really scary. Like watching Scream, you obviously loved Tatum, but there's there's a real edge to her as an actor. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, she's scary in the, I'm not talking about, like, Rose McGowan in the news or anything. I'm talking about like as her performances on screen, you're just like, oh my God, you're the most self-assured person ever to be on screen. Mm. Like so in control. And that is terrifying. So like sexually confident as Mm. well as a teenager with like that, that porcelain skin. Oh yeah. Oh my God. And like a bustier. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that she would never, like she'd always be like, she'd always have a parasol or a hat with her because she hates getting her, she hates getting sun on her skin. She can't. She She can't. can't. She simply cannot. What's that scene where like Carol Kane tries to like button up a cardigan over her heaving tits? (laughs) (laughs) So good. Those two on screen together, like give them a spinoff. Love it. She based her character on a Jean Tierney role in the movie Leave Her to Heaven. Have you seen this? I haven't seen this. Yes, I have. And it's like, I get it. (laughs) I do get it. Yeah, they're both like massive villains, but villains who don't give a shit. They're just like, yeah, I did it to get what I wanted. Like, next. Yeah. So her kind of approach to playing Courtney is that she thinks that Courtney would like pass a lie detector test because she can justify everything she does. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, I killed my friend. I was trying to make a joke. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can tell you, like you believe it yourself. Yeah. Did, am I having like some kind of seizure or <laughs> did 
Was Lisa Vanderpump, did she, who was it? Was it Lisa Vanderpump who had to do a lie detector test in Rehoboho? So Lisa Vanderpump subjected herself to a lie detector test to prove that she didn't sell stories to Radar Online about Lucy Goosey Apple Juicy. That's right. And like, I think that she is a Courtney here. Lisa Vanderpump is Courtney Shea Groner. Yeah, like she, although she, she created the British accent as a cover for her past, Lisa Vanderpump is her mm-hmm. new identity. Mm-hmm. Ken Todd was probably like Marcy's dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, um, uh, uh, what's the word when you give people too many drugs? Tranquilized. <laughs> <laughs> And Hanky and Panky are a henchman. Hanky and Panky is Jewel, is uh, Marcy Fox. She's put a spell on her. <laughs> and at the time, Rose McGowan obviously was in the tabloids quite a bit for her like nudie dress at the VMAs mm-hmm. on the arm of Marilyn Manson, who appears Ugh. in this film. And I wish he did not. The creepy. It's the creepiest scene in the movie before you know what Marilyn Manson was like as a person. In hindsight, you know? Oh, God. It's so... It's awful. Yeah. He's so foul. He's foul. So to, like, I guess refresh people's memory if it's been a while since you've seen Jawbreaker. um, Jawbreaker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To, in hopes of covering up their crime, Courtney essentially comes up with a story that Liz was this perverted, like, fucked up sexual deviant who was not the goody two-shoes everyone believed her to be, and she would go out and find strange men to have, like, dark, anonymous sex with, and one of them took it too far and sexually assaulted and murdered her in her bed. And so to uh, kind of cover her trail DNA-wise, Rose McGowan's character Courtney goes to a bar, picks up a skeevy man played by Marilyn Manson, brings him back to Liz's bed, puts her body under the bed and fucks him in the bed. Um, and so then this guy gets essentially framed for the murder that um, yeah, so that his Courtney DNA and the girls. is yeah. everywhere. And his character's name is The Stranger. He's repulsive. He's so scary. Oh my God. My notes are, God, he is so fucking gross. He <laughs> is all I wrote down while watching So it. fucking gross. Oh, yeah. The only Rebecca Gayhart input I'm going to add again is that she um, said she had a birthday party at the time that they were filming and he came. She said everyone from the movie came. Rose and Marilyn came. But then she said, he was so normal. You were kind of disappointed because there was no strangeness there. The conversations were normal. He looked normal. He acted normal. He ate normal. (laughs) I loved he ate normal. I really laughed when I read that. He ate normal. (laughs) Oh, I totally forgot. We were talking about how Rebecca Gayhart should have been somebody else. Mm. It was originally Rachel Lee Cook. Oh, that would have been so much better. But apparently she didn't have the right chemistry with the other actresses, so they recast. Well, famously Alona, and she's all that. Oh, famously Alona. <laughs> Another makeup makeover movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But she was like, she was so dry in that film. She was kind of like looking down her nose at everyone. I wouldn't be surprised if she was like, I can't turn a switch and then be a popular girl. Don't drop the sack. No, never let it drop. Don't <laughs> drop the sack. <laughs> Maybe that's a poodle for this us. Is very bow is afraid. Don't drop the sack. Don't drop the sack. <laughs> um, I just have so many quotes from Rose McGowan on my list. Please give them to me. Okay, so she, um, when she was cast in the Doom Generation, she said, I didn't know what Sundance was because I was never trying to be an actress. I was found standing outside of a gym looking sour. 
apparently that works for the doom generation. <laughs> yep. Um, and that was in like a little oral history, uh, in dazed. Oh, I read it and I loved it. So good. I lived it. I loved it. She also never went to high school. She was homeschooled. So the only prom she ever went to was the one in jawbreaker, oh, wow. which did not end well for Courtney. No, it didn't. Um, she has a real issue with the film. Can't hardly wait. She sure does. It comes up constantly in any oral history of this film, of which there are several, but in any interview that Rose McGowan has done in hindsight about Jawbreaker, she's like offended. Yeah. She thinks that no one liked Can't Hardly Wait, which I have to go on record and say untrue. I love it. I think it's a better movie. Me too. (laughs) Uh, She said, because Sony, Sony, Brought out. Can't Sony. hardly wait. Would never cast Rebecca Gayhart. No, it wouldn't. So Sony and they cast Re- Lauren Ambrose and Clea Duvall in that goddamn movie. Anyway, anyway, that should be a poodle. Uh, everything should be a po- suddenly everything's a poodle now. Can't hardly wait is absolutely already on our list. Yeah, I know it is. Um, but yeah, so Sony had both Jawbreaker and Can't Hardly Wait, and essentially it pushed it. Knew, they knew that. Jawbreaker would be more of a home ent film, home entertainment film, and so they pushed that one essentially out of cinemas and onto video as soon as possible. Whereas they put their like time and effort into marketing. Can't hardly wait as like a seat in the theaters kind of film. And McGowan said they Sony fucked up and chose Can't Hardly Wait. Quote: I'm sure it's remembered affectionately for people that liked it, but please, which is a superior film? Let's be real. One had cultural impact. <laughs> I was like, I think, I think Can't Hardly Wait had a bit of. Um, Can't Hardly Wait absolutely had cultural impact. I know Janet Elfman in Wings. I famously thought that um, it taught me the names of like many Star Wars characters decades before I'd ever seen any Star Wars movies. You know, I was telling It's the first time I ever heard the words Boba Fett. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I was was talking about this the other day. I was like, you know, my girlfriend wore... A high school girlfriend wore goggles to the year 10 formal. Chic, not chic. Um, And I was like, I thought that in my head, I was like, it's because Seth Green in Can't Hardly Wait. But that came out like five years after my year 10 (laughs) formal. (laughs) Anyway. Um, that, I mean, shout out to her and also shout out to my friend Anton who did start wearing goggles to look like Seth Green (laughs) in this movie. What movie is this poodle? What poodle is this movie? Um, (laughs) are they also rag on Mean Girls? Yeah. They're like, basically Mean Girls stole everything from Jawbreaker. No, it just stole the walk down the hallway. It stole the walk down the hallway, but like, you know, it's a good walk. It is, and it is scored by uh, Yoohoo by Imperial Teen, the theme song of the Courtney and her heavies. And I kind of think maybe that I thought I had seen this film because I love Imperial Teen, and for the video for Yoohoo, they have Rose McGowan in it, so she stars in their music mm. video. So I feel like that's part of the reason why I thought. Also, Imperial Teen, not on streaming. Oh, really? No, I wanted to listen to Friends of P the other day and it was nowhere to be found. Well, I was just thinking, I only know you who. Oh, you got to get in there. Well, I can't. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, um, uh, Rose McGowan being in that music video is very, uh, Pia Miranda being in the Teenager of the Year video by Lotel. Tie-in. It, it sure is. She famously married the lead singer. It sure I mean, is. Come on. <laughs> 
my final kind of like notes on the movie are all about the prom scene. Oh yeah, let's get to it. So obviously this is the big culmination. It's where the fingers are finally going to be pointed at Courtney, who made a confession conveniently recorded by one of Liz Per's old greeting cards. It's a really funny little I like liked that little a lot. twist in the movie. Um, did you see it coming? I actually didn't. You didn't? No. Love that. My sister and I, again, we say, I killed Liz. I killed the teen dream. Deal with it. <laughs> like for 24 years, we've been saying it to each other. Um, apparently some of the lines in this scene were kind of mimicking ones in John Hughes movies. Oh, yeah. But Darren Stein is like adamant that he did not do that on purpose. He's just like, they were embedded so deeply in my subconscious that maybe they made it onto the page. But he said the only thing that he watched while writing this scene or this film was Carrie. Okay. That's fine. But also he says a lot about how he was not inspired by Heathers and he didn't take anything from Heathers. Yeah, that's and a lie. And he was really annoyed that everyone kept saying like, it's just not as good as Heathers. Yeah. It's not as good as Heathers. And it is very similar to Heathers. It is. Anyway, a hundred percent. I'm with Darren. You. I mean, Darren, come on, don't listen to the pod, but like the tweets about it. <laughs> Take a good hard look at yourself. Um, the that kind of the way that Courtney is brought down and like rips at her face as she's running through the crowd, and everyone, including Tatiana Ali in the crowd, are like, "You bitch!" in slow motion. There's they're throwing flowers at her. Very Sex in the City movie number one. Um, she's like ripping these like metal headbands off her head. It's like so dramatic, so phenomenal. Like she allows her to herself to be truly like grotesque in that moment. And it's all a callback to Holes Live Through This yeah. album cover as Which well. Which is what I was, saw when I was watching it. Yeah. When that was happening in like the mascara streaming down her cheeks, etc. I was like, oh, here we go. Courtney. It's so good. A total carry Yeah, moment. it's well done. Yeah. Um, and the band playing at the prom... I mean, I did not expect this, Bill. I uh, couldn't quite believe it. Um, it really made me snap to attention. The Donners. The Donners. I mean, the Donners playing your prom. It was a real era of actual bands in prom scenes in movies. Yeah. You know, like Letters to Cleo and 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. Who else? Uh, in Clueless, is it like Real Big Fish or someone? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the Donners. Don't try stopping my buzz because I'm checking you out. I had not thought about the Donners in a really long time. I used to love them. I remember going to see them on a tour and they were so fun. Like it was such a good show. I had like a weird. But all their songs are the same. They are. Absolutely. I had a weird relationship with the Donners because I think by the time that I knew who they were, I was very deep in my like, um, my little baby misogynist phase. And so I thought that like liking punk music meant I just had to like music made by men Mm -hmm. in like the 1970s. Um, But the Donners had this song called play my game, which I really loved. And I accidentally once I was making a mix CD for a boy that had a lot of like cute emo, like emotional, the used taking back Sunday, 
Spitalfield, etc. Coheating Cambria at all. Um, and I had meant to put a song by Brand New, now cancelled, on this mixtape called... Say I've never heard of any of these bands. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this song called um, I'll Play My Game Beneath the Spin Lights, I think it's called. And it is does not sound anything like well, you can play my game, but I accidentally put that song on instead. <laughs> so it was a real tonal shift and, um, yeah, I don't think it went down well. But I think that's good. It was like the real you coming out. Yeah, maybe. I was like, I love girl music. I'm throwing my horns up in the air. You can't see. <laughs> I can see. You can see. Uh, it's yeah. a good soundtrack apart from the Donners and Imperial Teen it has Veruca Salt and the Cars and also the band contractually obliged to appear on all teen girl movies Letters to Cleo they gotta be there they gotta be there you gotta write those letters <laughs> what's Cleo gonna read otherwise um, do you have any see also's I have, I mean, there are, I've got all the oral histories, the EW, the Dazed, the Vice, um, that I will link to. The Vice one is particularly good. It is really good. Perverting the Youth of America, the oral history of teen classic jawbreaker. I mean, if you've got a title like that, you've got to back it up with mm-hmm. some great content, which they do. My only see also was uh, Greg Araki's The Doom Generation from 95, starring Rose McGowan. It's really great. And you can see kind of baby McGowan really coming into her own and mm. you can kind of like this that felt like the germination of the courtney character mm. um another film that came out the year that this one did is but i'm a cheerleader which we did a poodle on recently mm-hmm. um and kind of in the campiness and the set design i feel like they're in the same universe yeah they're in the same world aren't they yeah totally it's not real no. And I want to be in one and not the other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, any guesses? <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. Uh, if you haven't yet, please pop over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, write a little review, and make sure you're following us on Instagram at See Also Podcast. Yeah, at See Also Podcast on Instagram is the best way to get in touch with us. If you have any ideas about future poodles, uh, we have named a number of films within this episode of like, we should do a poodle about that. But if you have an idea for a poodle, please do get in touch. Thanks as always to Samuel Hodge for our imagery and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. Bye. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.